0: Thank you. Praise the Lord, everyone. If you'll just remain standing for a moment, I'm going to the book of Ezekiel. So I have an enviable job tonight. So the first speaker broke the ice, so I don't have to do that. And uh, I don't have to hit a home run because if, if we go to too high of a peak, it will mess up the service. So I just have to get on base. And Brother Bounds has to hit the home run. So... You know, don't have too high expectations tonight. I'm just going to try to get on base. And, of course, with that kind introduction, I'm the general superintendent, so even if I don't do a very good job, nobody will tell me. Uh, they'll all think my only the only one that would tell me I didn't do such a good job would either be my daughter or my wife, and neither of them are here tonight. So I'm probably safe. But I do want to turn to Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 3 and verse 4, and it's great to be here at the sanctuary, and also, of course, great to be at the Urshan Conference. It's exciting to see the growth of the school, both undergraduate and graduate, and see the emphasis on the preaching of the gospel. It's more than theological study. That's extremely important. And all the other ministries of the church, music and teaching are important, but front and center always has to be the preaching of the gospel of jesus christ and the power of the holy ghost amen and i'm glad we have this emphasis so in ezekiel 37 verse 3 and verse 4 we find the lord speaking to the prophet ezekiel new king james and he said to me son of man can these bones live so i answered "O lord god you know Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I want to preach for a little while the power of God's word. And you may be seated. And of course, the written word is supreme, but I'm not confining it to the written word. But when God's preachers stand up, whether it's in a large gathering or At a kitchen table with a Bible study, when we proclaim God's word, there's power that goes beyond our ability, beyond our eloquence or lack thereof, there's power in the word of God. In fact, a miracle takes place when the word of God goes forth. It's the miracle of the preaching of the word. And when I say preaching, I don't mean, as I said a moment ago, it doesn't have to be general conference. It could be an audience of one or two, but the Word of God is powerful, and it has an effect. Have confidence in the Word of God. When I was a young preacher, I felt like no way could I do an adequate job, and you know, you hear these famous conference preachers and camp preachers, and they could move a crowd, people would get on their feet, Uh, they were eloquent, and they were anointed, they were powerful, things would happen, and I knew that I couldn't do that. And so, uh, you know, I'm looking at Brother Jones, one of the premier preachers of our fellowship. He's an outstanding preacher. But some of you young preachers might say, there's no way I could be a Brother Jones. And you're right. That just could not happen. But you can have your own ministry. Uh, But I used to think that way. And then, so here's what I decided. One thing I can do is I can use the Word of God. I can study. I can read. I can memorize. I can learn. So if I, and the Bible says God's word will not return void, Isaiah 55. So if I pack enough of good word in there, it's bound to do some good. Even my delivery is bad, I get it all wrong, I, I don't have the ability to tell a good story or entertain or. Uh, use some humor, and all those things have their place. But I, I finally decided if I can't do anything else, if I can get some word in there and explain it accurately and preach it with anointing, it's going to work. And I'm happy to tell you, yes, it does work. There's the miracle of the preaching of the Word of God. And as a pastor, I would stand up before however many people. We started with 11 in our home. And it gradually grew to about a thousand. And so sometimes on Sunday morning, I'd be standing there, and now they have a beautiful sanctuary with a thousand people, and sometimes there are a thousand uh, seats, and you see, you know, seven or eight hundred people before you, and you think, what have I got to say? And you know, this one's going through a divorce, that one's facing cancer, uh, this one doesn't even believe in God, but they're coming to honor their parents on Mother's Day or something, and uh, this person. You know, have just talked to you about being an atheist, and uh, this person back there is a Muslim, and that one is a Buddhist. And you think, what in the world can I say? This person is a, an alcoholic. What in the world can I say? In 30 minutes of jumping up and down, raising my voice, yelling, screaming, trying to get people's attention, I'm foolish to think that that can change a whole life in 30 minutes. But you know what? It does. It can someone's life, someone can be delivered from alcohol through the preaching of the Word of God and the prayer of faith that follows the Word. A marriage can be put back together. A sinner can repent. A sinner can have their sins washed away immediately after the preaching. While the preaching is going forth, somebody could receive the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I remember a a couple that came. Uh, The man had his doctorate from, and he was a professor at the University of Texas, and and he was an engineer, had his doctorate in engineering. So he worked on a secular job as well as teaching. And uh, he came uh, from the East Coast. His mother was a state legislator in one of our eastern states, uh, African-American couple. And uh, obviously, you want to impress somebody like that. You want to lead somebody like that. So they were coming to church, and I remember I was preaching on Sunday morning. And I had just a few more statements to make, but I felt like I should have the people stand to be in uh, attitude of reception. So I said, let's all stand. I'm going to preach just a couple of minutes. And I, I just began preaching. And while I was finishing my message, hear this lady falls out in the middle of the aisle in front of several hundred people. I don't know how many at that particular time we had four or five hundred people, maybe three hundred, whatever it was. And she fell in the middle of the aisle receiving the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, which was an exciting miracle to see. No altar call, no music, no special effects, no persuasion, but the pure preaching of the Word of God resulted in a miracle. Of course, I not being always as spiritual as I need to be, a thought came into my mind what's gonna happen? She's falling out on the floor in front of hundreds of people speaking in tongues. What is her professor husband gonna say? But fortunately, he didn't seem to be worried about it, and uh, we, we took them back and ended up baptizing him in Jesus' name. And we, when he came out of the water, he began speaking in tongues. <laughs> Praise God, there's power. In the Word of God. There's power in the preaching of the Word of God. The preacher is not infallible, but the Word is infallible. If the preacher will preach the Word, you'll get results. God will move. Lives will be changed. Souls will be saved. There's power in the Word of God. There's power in God's Word. Amen. Amen. Now, in the text, Ezekiel, was a prophet in exile after the fall of first Israel and then Judah. And he had a vision of a valley of dry bones. Now, this passage is ultimately about the restoration of God's people, the nation of Israel. So I don't, you know, sometimes we use text and we forget the context. So let's make sure we understand it's the prophecy. If you read the whole chapter, God is saying, I will restore the nation of Israel. And of course, he did so. But I do believe there's a principle because God operates according to the same principles. His character never changes. And so, in every age, we can take a passage like this and say, if God will do it for Israel, God will do it for us. Now, the specifics of a prophecy may be particular, but the power of the Word of God is for everyone, it's for every generation, it's for every age. If God will resurrect ancient Israel through the power of the Word, then God will resurrect. Our people today, through the power of the word. Amen. And so, God had the prophet look at the valley of dry bones. All these skeletons lying in the desert. And he said, son of man, can these bones live? Now, if God asks you a direct question, I mean, that's, you know, what are you going to say? If you say, the obvious logical answer is no. I mean, that's obvious. But you're talking to God. So should you be so definitive? If God's asked you a question, he must have a reason. So don't be so quick to jump to the obvious answer. But, of course, if he said yes, God could say, well, how's that going to happen? And the prophet's going to have to say, I don't know. So the prophet chose the wise answer under the circumstances. God, You know. With man, it's impossible. But as Jesus said in Matthew 19, with God, all things are possible. So the prophet wisely said, Lord, you know. And so then God wanted to inspire the faith of the prophet, not just a positive mental attitude, but genuine faith in the word. And so God said, I'll give you the answer. I can do the impossible. I can re- revive these dry bones. I can bring these skeletons back to life. But the way I will do it, you know, I can cause my breath or, to enter into them. And I can do this work of restoration and resurrection. But he said, what you're going to have to do is preach. The way I've chosen to bring new life to dead people is through the preaching of my word. So here's the answer, preacher, preach. Preach to the dead bones. What an assignment. I've been in places where it seemed like I was preaching to dead bones. It seemed like there would be and could be no result. It seemed like there was no response. But if you are a preacher, if you're called by God, and if you have the word, and if you'll preach the word, there will be results. God will honor the preaching of the word. God will back up the preaching of the word with miracles, signs, and wonders. Preacher, it's time to preach. There's power in the word of God. Hallelujah. So God says, I can revive the dry bones if you'll preach. Preach to these dead bones. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the lord. What a message. Oh dry bones. Hear the word of the lord. Every pastor can relate to that on some Sunday morning. Oh dry bones. We don't say that part. <laughs> but that's what we're thinking. You know, several years ago I was invited to preach in Marlin, Texas at a women's prison for we had a large ministry there in South Texas district. This is just a few years ago. They kept asking me to come, and so I finally had time to schedule. So this women's prison, and, of course, you're looking at a couple hundred women. We brought a, an entire team of people, men and women, who could pray with these ladies at the end. But as you look across, these are criminals, and they're dressed in their prison guard. Most of them have a hardened expression on their face. Some are very obviously trying to be lesbian or transgender or whatever, And, of course, they've got tattoos and some of them short hair, extremely short hair. And, you know, you are looking at a hardened crowd. So I'm preaching away on the power of the gospel. The gospel will change your life. You can be healed. You can be delivered. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm just getting ready to give my appeal. And one of the guards speaks up. I don't think it's a coincidence. Time for roll call. So I look at the chaplain. Here's another thing I do. I sit down right at the peak moment, just before the altar call. I'm as high as I can go spiritually. Roll call. And so we have to wait while 200 women call off their cell number. And they have to check them off to make sure nobody escaped while the service is going on. And, of course, I'm thinking, this is deader than a doornail. I can't re-preach the message. I can't go back to the peak. There's nothing I can do. I just have to wait it out. And so I wait till they call the final person, the final number. No names, just numbers. Okay, preacher, you can start over again. Well, I just give the appeal. But you know what? I have enough experience to know there's power in the Word of God. And I know I preached the word, I know I preached the gospel, I know I preached healing and deliverance, I know I preached salvation, so I just had to hope that that word was still there, was still effective, would still do the job. So I didn't try to recreate the atmosphere, and of course, we couldn't ask Kevin Howard to play the music, we couldn't do anything except just give the appeal. But as I said, and of course we had to be careful, nobody could touch the ladies, that, that was forbidden. You know, you couldn't lay hands on them. You could stand and pray for them from a distance. So I said, okay, all those that want to respond, you can line up across the front. Our team will line up with you. But nobody's going to touch you. We're just going to stand a couple feet apart. We're going to pray for you. It doesn't seem very conducive to our Pentecostal altar call, right? But you know what? Our forms and traditions are not essential. Now, it's great to have the tools. I love the music. I, I love the anointing. And I do believe it's scriptural to lay hands and, uh, on people and pray for them and all of that. But I'm saying it's all the things we think are essential are not so essential as long as we have God's Word. Because it's the preaching of the Word that will change hearts. The power is not in us. The power is not in our ability, our eloquence, our talent, our music, or even our hands. The power is in the Word of God. Preacher, preach the Word. Teacher, teach the Word. Saint of God, testify the Word. There's power in God's Word. There's power in God's Word. It may be dry bones. It may be dry service. It may be a dry family. But the Word of God can bring life out of death. The word of God can resurrect dead bones. The power of God's word. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. So, ladies started coming forward. We started praying. And by the time the service was over, 27 women received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Speaking in tongues. The power of God's word. The chaplain that was the hired full-time chaplain for the prison afterwards pulls aside. Said, how many times can y'all come back? He says, we have all kinds of groups, but there's something different about your group. I want you to schedule you every single time you can come back. Because there's something different. Word of God. The power of the Word of God. And so the prophet began to preach, and something began to happen. As God said, He said, I will bring sinews, flesh, skin. So as the prophet began to prophesy, there's a noise, it says. There's a rattling. Something begins to happen. It may sound a little strange, it may look a little strange, but bone connects to bone. And then sinews appear, then flesh, then skin. It looks like to me when the preacher starts preaching, the miracle starts happening. The bones begin to join. Bones, that's structure. So you may not see the full picture, but you start seeing the structure of revival. You start seeing things fall into place that you didn't think could fall into place. And I'm talking about a ministry, a a church, or whatever your responsibility is. You might have to preach for, it may be one service, but it may be several months, it may be a year, but you start seeing structure, start falling into place. You're planting a church, you keep preaching. You're gonna get what you preach. You just keep preaching. If you want miracles, you preach it. You want gifts of the Spirit, you preach and teach. You want people to receive the Holy Ghost, you preach that it's part of the plan of salvation, not an optional extra, but it's for everybody. You preach Jesus' name, baptism. You don't have to talk about the Trinity. You don't have to argue. You don't have to attack, but you just preach. There's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He's more than just a man. He's God manifesting the flesh. He's your Lord and Savior. You just start preaching that, people will repent of their sins. People will be baptized in Jesus' name. People will receive the Holy Ghost. You want to lead people into holiness, preach it and teach it. Let the Word of God work. Don't browbeat them, manipulate them, intimidate them, but you just lay the Word out and let the Word do its own work. I think many times what we have to do is get out of the way and let the word of God work. There's a little story about a tiger in a cage. And the townspeople gather around jeering and cheering and kids were throwing rocks, poking with sticks. Somebody said, you got to protect this tiger from this mob. And somebody else said, look, you don't need to protect the tiger. Just open the cage door. The tiger will protect himself. We try to protect the Word of God, and I do believe in wisdom. I do believe in the timing. I do believe there's a right way and a wrong way. I believe we must preach the truth in love, but at the end of the day, we can walk around, well, I don't want to offend somebody if I preach too strong on the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't know if now not the time to teach on holiness because they might reject me. Well, there's a right way to do all things, but at the end of the day, you unleash the Word. You don't have to try to... Defend the word, make excuses for the word, apologize for the word. What you need to do is open the cage door and let the word of God go forth and do what it is designed to do. Preach the word and dry bones will start connecting. A structure will start developing. And to me, the tendons, the flesh, the skin, all that's a necessary preparation. So all that took place Now you had entire bodies, but there was no breath. So God said to the preacher, Preach a second time, preach again, and this time preach to the wind, preach to the breath. And as you may know, in Hebrew, Greek, there's synonymous terms for breath, wind, and spirit depending on the context. So I think there's multiple meanings here. He's talking about the wind that blows, but he's talking about the breath that enters, and that represents the Spirit of God. So you can have all the preaching in the world, but without the Spirit, nothing's going to happen. So, we must preach in the power of the Holy Spirit. We must preach saturated with prayer. We must preach with anointing. Yes, the preaching has an effect, but it has to be God ordained preaching. It has to be spirit anointed preaching. It has to be preaching mixed with prayer and faith. It's not just the dry word, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But preach with compassion, preach with love, preach with burden, preach with tears. Preach the word with the anointing of the Spirit of God, and it will change lives. Preach the word. And so the prophet preached the second time. He preached to the breath, or to the wind. He said, come, O four winds, come, O breath. So he prophesied. Breath came into them. They lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. The result of the preaching of the word of God, a mighty army. You know, years ago, and for all of you students, it's ancient history, but there used to be what was known as communism. And the foremost enemy that we faced as Americans, or the West, was Russia, Soviet Union, all of its satellite states, Eastern Europe, such as Poland, Czechoslovakia, Bulgaria, etc. So the Lord opened a door, and uh, we had missionaries working in most of those countries, but under very restricted conditions. We couldn't go openly uh, because of communism, because it was illegal to hold uh, private services. And so our missionary at the time in Eastern Europe, brother Sam Balsa, had an opportunity. And I started getting involved because I was writing books. And so even though you couldn't openly have a crusade, so, so you couldn't have a camp preacher or conference speaker, but you could have someone go in and teach Bible studies secretly in people's homes and train leaders, and the leaders could go and start house churches. So, my type of ministry of writing and teaching would f- sneak in there. Uh, so, we started doing this. We had a, an open door in Bulgaria. At that time, we had no apostolic church of any kind in the entire country of Bulgaria. But we have an open door with a woman who's con- a Bulgarian woman who's converted in our church in Austria, so she translated my book, The Oneness of God, Then the New Birth, into Bulgarian. And so we had this invitation to go to a Trinitarian minister's conference and teach on the oneness of God. So it was very exciting. We took my book, and and you may have heard me tell the story. You read my little book that I wrote a couple years ago, To the End of the Earth, and I tell this story. But anyway, so Brother Balsa and I and my wife uh, drove into the country of Bulgaria as tourists. And we had my book, The Oneness of God, translated into Bulgarian. And uh, so we were trying to bring it to the country because if we get in there, then they could duplicate it with copy machines and spread it about abroad the country. So that would be a way of getting the word of God in in a way that, norm, you know, by, you, you didn't have the Internet, you didn't have any means of mass meetings, but you could, you could disseminate literature. So that's what we decided to do. Sounds like a great plan. So anyway, what are we going to do with this manuscript? Because if they confiscate it at the border, we're in trouble. So Brother Boston said, look, if we hide it very carefully, he said our only hope is they will look at us as tourists and they'll just wave us through the border crossing without an inspection. But if they search us, they will find this manuscript. No question. If it's carefully hidden, then they'll know we're smugglers, that we deliberately were trying to smuggle, and then we're in big trouble. So if we just casually throw it in the back, on the back shelf of the car, maybe throw something on top of it, it's just very casual, so hopefully they would never see it. But if they search us, they'll immediately find it, but at least they'll think we're ignorant foreigners, you know, foolish tourists, don't know any better, and so they'll take the manuscript, but they'll probably let us go because they won't think we had any intent. And that sounds very good. But when you get to the border and they say, take this car to the garage, we're going to search it. And then you start thinking, boy, I wish I'd have hidden that as carefully as possible after all. Because, you know, so we're standing outside the car. We're in this garage, they have a well underneath it, so somebody's getting underneath to see if there's anything attached to the underside. They're opening all the doors, opening the trunk, opening all the suitcases. They've got some tools. If they they feel a bump in the paneling or in the carpet, they're just going to start tearing up the interior and pulling out whatever's there. So I, I have a National Geographic magazine that I was reading, so they interrogate me about that. It's English, it has nothing to do with Bulgaria, communism, God, anything. So I'm thinking... If they're so bent out of shape about me reading National Geographic, they say, why are you bringing this into our country? When they get to the back and pick up the Bulgarian manuscript, it says on the cover, the oneness of God in Bulgarian. They can't help but read it. What are they going to say then? So for 30 minutes, we watched. In fact, we had a little package on top of that manuscript, so... The guard had to pick up the package and tear it open to see what was inside. So his hand brushed across the manuscript. And the manuscript was exposed in full view. But after 30 minutes, he said, okay, we're finished, walked out. Or both of Boston immediately motioned, be quiet. He started telling jokes. So I didn't really know what was going on. A few minutes later, the guard comes back in and says, okay, you're free to go. Brother Boss explained, you know, what they do is say, everything is done, you're fine. They walk out the door. Of course, the garage is bugged, and they're waiting for somebody to say, Oh, thank God, they didn't find it. And then they come back in, start all over. So, Brother Boss wanted to make sure we didn't have any opportunity to say anything like that. So, we got through the border, no problem, just fine. So, we get to the hotel. Brother Boss is making calls to get our translator and get the minister. So we follow directions, Um, so we wait till nightfall, we go outside, and we start walking down these dark alleys uh, where nobody can see us, suddenly a car rushes up, top speed, screeches to a halt, we look, get in, get in, we jump in, "Are, are you our people, yes, yes, and the car starts tearing across the town, zigzagging back and forth, top speed, heading up mountainside, and my wife says, ask him if he always drives this way, or what's going on? And the translator says, well, he does drive fast, but he's trying to make sure nobody can follow us. Okay, great. So we get to this mountaintop restaurant where they're doing, you know, live folk dancing and live singing. And so the pastor says, okay, I brought you here, but it's so loud and noisy, we can say whatever we want. Nobody can hear us. And he said, I just want to caution you, don't say anything about why you're here. Speak only of your tourist activities, the places you're planning to visit. He said, the reason is we had a preacher come from America about a month ago. He was unwise. He was talking about church, and he was overheard. So that night, a group of men knocked down the door of his hotel, went inside, beat him up, and he reported to the police. The police laughed and said, oh, yeah, we heard about that. We heard you had a woman in your room, so would you like for us to take the report? We'll report that we found you and a woman in the room together, and you got beaten up. Of course, it was a lie, but in essence, they were saying, you know, We'll destroy your ministry, so do you want to report or not? So the preacher uh, that was talking to us, he was saying, so I'm just warning you. Now, I have to give you the backstory. Back here in St. Louis, I was associate editor. At that time, our global missions director, Brother Sism, he stopped by my office. He said, Brother Bernard, I'm so glad you're going to Bulgaria. This is going to be a wonderful opportunity for the United Pentecostal Church. He said, you've got a ministry just like the Apostle Paul. Of course, as a young preacher, I was feeling pretty good about that. And he said, you know, just like the Apostle Paul. He said, if they put you in jail, you just keep writing your books, you'll be fine. (laughs) So I told my wife that, but she didn't laugh, you know. She said, are you sure we're safe? I said, we're safe. You know, we pray. If God doesn't want us to go, he blocks it. But if God gives us the go-ahead, God gives us confidence, we're safe. No problem. Don't worry about it. So anyway, after that little speech in the restaurant, we get back to our room that night. And another thing I needed to tell you is when we checked in, this hotel, which was, we had to stay in a hotel required by the government and all this kind of stuff. As soon as we go through the door, the, the bellman has brought us to our room. He walks inside. He turns the radio on full volume. And then he motions to me that he wants to change money, which is illegal. You have to change at the government rate. And you can get, like, five times more if you change illegally. And so he says, change, change. I said, no, no way. I didn't want to break the law in a communist country, you know. I just wanted and so he left i told my wife we've got to be careful about what we say she says why i said well do you see the bellman he first thing he did was turn up the radio full blast before he made this offer so he thinks this room is bugged she said you've been reading too many spy novels that's crazy so anyway when the preacher said all that you know my wife's not here to defend herself but you know she was getting pale and pretty nervous We got back to the room. She said, I thought you told me there would be no danger. What are you going to say? I said, well, there isn't. Because, you know, that guy got beat up, but he didn't have his wife with him. I have you with me, so they can't say that there's a woman in my room, so I'm safe because of you. (laughs) She didn't think that was funny either. But we survive. So I came back the next year. This time I was by myself flying in. Brother Boss figured, okay, you got this. And I came back with the new birth manuscript. So I had it in the third pocket of my briefcase. So I go through security, go through customs, um, and and they want to see my briefcase. So they open the briefcase, and everything in the first pocket, they take it out. So I'm mentally thinking. What am I going to say when they get to the third pocket and they pull out the new birth? You know, I, I'm a Christian. I'm a preacher. I don't want to tell a lie, but I don't want to say, well, I'm bringing this for the house, illegal house churches in your country, you know, so what, do I, what am I going to say? What's the right way to say? So the guy put his hand in the second pocket, felt it all around, and then he just closed the briefcase. He never got to the third pocket. And so this time, I went to a different part of the country, and I'll I'll abbreviate this. I'm almost finished for the sake of time. But I end up going to another Trinity church in the far north of the country. And uh, we sit down. I give my manuscript. I talk about the new birth, the oneness of God, baptism in Jesus' name, the Holy Ghost. They believed in the Holy Ghost, but they didn't understand baptism in Jesus' name. So the, the pastor looked at me and said, the elders will never accept this doctrine. I said, well, can you just keep the manuscript, study it, read it, just let me preach for you. So he let me preach for him. He kept the manuscript. And to make a long story short, that next year I got word that as they studied it, they decided it was true. They decided to start baptizing their converts in Jesus' name. When they walked out into the river to baptize, all of a sudden, one of the women that was being baptized started jumping up and down, splashing the water. And when they finally got her out, they said, what happened? She said, there were two men in white garments on the bank of the river. And they were saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And that confirmed to them that what they had done was right. The power of the word of God. The power of the word of God. And so today, many years later, as general superintendent, I had the privilege of ordaining that pastor at one of our conferences, and they now have a United Pentecostal work in Bulgaria from the Word of God. One more story, last fall I preached in Fiji. Our work there is 50 years old, so I preached the 50th anniversary. We have 12,000 constituents in a country of a million, so that's over 1% of the population. In the conference were 4,000. In that conference, 193 received the Holy Ghost, 25 miraculous healings. One was a deaf woman who began to hear. One was a blind woman who began to see right there in the conference. And they asked people to identify when they were baptized and when they received the Holy Ghost by decades. So so that each decade they had people identified. Everybody in that whole building had received the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name in the last 50 years. Everybody in the whole place. And it suddenly shocked me, Brother Jones, because I realized I received the Holy Ghost when I was seven. And that was 59 years ago. So I realized I had the Holy Ghost longer than anybody in the whole building. Well, that was pretty impressive, but I'm not that old. But here's the backstory: story. Our missionary, Brother and Sister Dobbins, he's 90 years old. He retired to the church where I pastor. He's still in Austin, Texas, age 90. But 50 years ago, he was appointed to Samoa. But he felt a burden to visit the neighboring island of Fiji, the island's nation. So he went there. He tried to meet people, walked up and down the streets. He found a Trinitarian church, knocked on the door. Nobody was there, so he put a track underneath the door. This is before you know, the days of Internet and email, but he wrote on there, if you're interested, please contact me. He gave, he gave his address. Several weeks later, he gets a letter back in Samoa from the pastor of that Trinitarian church, saying, I'm interested in Jesus' name. Can you come to my country? He came back, and the rest is history. The man has passed away, but his daughters were there in the church and in the conference. That entire nation, that entire work of 12,000 constituents, that entire conference of 4,000 people, all those people over 50 years baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, came from one preacher Giving one track to one person. The power of the word of God. Let's stand together. Preacher, preach the word. God has a mighty army that will rise up at the preaching of the word. Not much; It may not seem that much happens the first time, but preach the second time. It may not seem that much happens for a while, but bones are connecting to bones. Sinews are connecting. Flesh is growing. Skin is covering. And then one time you're gonna preach, and the breath, the wind is gonna blow. The spirit's gonna fall. It may not be the first time. It may not be the 10th time. But as long as God has called you to preach, preach, when you don't know what else to do, Do what you know to do. Keep praying. Keep believing, keep worshiping, keep preaching, keep teaching. There's a miracle. There's power in the Word of God. There's power in the preaching of the Word. A mighty army is rising up at the preaching of the Word of God. No matter the culture, no matter the society, no matter the city, no matter the circumstances, God is raising up a mighty army of apostolic believers. But it takes the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. Dedicate yourself to preach the Word. Dedicate yourself to teach the Word, the power of the Word of God. Oh, let's call on the Lord right now.